my name is Nicole Gaspar and I'm from California and I'm an author of many books and I'm also an impact slash medium where I bring experience and um, I hope I will be creating some great content for you guys and uh, I'll be interviewing top paranormal investigators to uh, authors to mediums such as myself and uh, I hope you will enjoy Haunted Real Connections on Paranormal Key Network. Thank you guys so much, so much for this opportunity. And um, stay tuned. Welcome back to another edition to Haunted Real Connections with your host, Nicole Gaspard, here in Carnival King Radio Network. And I'm here with Chris McKinnell. Well, don't really need an introduction, but I'll read it to you anyway. <laughs> um, Chris McKinnell is founder and the director of the Warren Legacy Foundation for Paranormal Research, which carries on the work of his grandparents. And in the rain Warren. He began working with the Warrens in 1980 at the age of 16. After his first incredibly intense night of poltergeist activity, which uh, included two demons walking in a room, pounding next to the walls, and even some levitation and growling, and, you know, in a yeah, and is told of a woman of the house by an entity. Chris never looked back. He insisted or led investigations of some of the Warren's most famous cases, which including the Smurls in West Pistons, Pennsylvania, I believe, and the Haunted by Maurice Carroll, and finally, Satan's Harvest, the Southington. He never funeral home that became known as the haunting in Connecticut, as well as and several thousands of others around the globe. He now leads the international network paranormal researchers that expands the war's mission all over the United States. Sorry. Research is studied as with paranormal. He shares his knowledge and experience to help dispel in superstitions and folklore that have accumulated around this ordinary phenomena. So I'll leave it to you, Chris. Would you like to share what you discovered so far in your uh, where you're at right now in Costa Rica? Do we lose Chris? I hope we didn't lose Chris. Uh, Hello. Hi, there you are. <laughs> Hello. Sorry, it's a, we, I got kicked off. I apologize for that. I uh, just read your intro. You're you're free to uh, share whatever you like to share with us about your awesome findings in the Costa Rica. <laughs> 
Well, thank you. But first, I want to say thank you very much for having me on the show. Nikki. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> now, you're awesome. And, you know, letting me be on your very first program, that's really that's... kind of you. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you like to know about? Uh, what have you discovered so far while you're out there? You know, my oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, Costa Rica is, is mind-blowing in a lot of ways. Um, oh, I bet. When I first came here, it was kind of a taboo subject. You didn't talk about the paranormal. But the wonderful team that I have down here has done such an amazing job of uh, promoting me and everything else that we are reaching so many people. And we're getting so many requests for help. People are opening up for the first time. And it turns out that... Costa Rica is much different than the United States in in the way the paranormal presents itself. Um, and I've had to do a lot of thinking about why that is, and I do have a theory, but it's only a theory. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, almost everything that I talk about is theory. Uh, I mean, it's got facts behind it, it's got evidence behind it, but it's still theory. I, I try to be as skeptical as possible because... I think it's important to always have a open mind about what we're right. actually dealing with. But you know how in in the United States, when there's a really bad case, it's like a, an over-the-top poltergeist case, or it's possession, or it's something that Hollywood can take advantage of. Right. And it's almost stereotypical. It's not that way here in Costa Rica. Huh. Um. There's something I'm really uncomfortable talking about, and that's magic, or in a lot of cases, you know, uh, unfortunately down here they call it witchcraft, and it's not the same thing. Um, witchcraft is not evil. Witchcraft is not necessarily good either. It, it's what it is. It, it's power, and it's respect for nature. It's, it's understanding that everything has energy. And using that energy in ways to to either help the world or not. But that's up to the practitioner. It, it's not that the thing itself is evil. It's the person using it uses it for good or evil. Um, and it's similar here. They use a lot of magic here from many different schools. And that seems to be the most uh, common problem down here is it's always magic-based. Uh, now, magic to me is the same thing as Reiki or acupuncture or quantum physics or prayer. Um, it, it's learning how to manipulate energy. It's learning how to shape it through your focused intention and ritual so that you get the desired outcome that you want. And in the United States, we don't use a lot of that. And I think that's why our hauntings in the United States are so wild and out of control versus in places like Costa Rica, where normally it's somebody actually hurting somebody. Um, we, had, we had a case when I first arrived here, and the, one of the people that I work with is this medium here in Costa Rica. She works with the federal police here in uh, El Salvador, in, uh, I believe, Honduras. You know, she 
works on murder cases, kidnapping, all sorts of things. And one of the things she does that I love is she, with no information, she starts drawing. And she'll draw the person that they need to be looking for or the person who committed the crime. And then she'll be able to tell you all about it. Oh, wow. So we were dealing with this one case. Of course, she gets no information because that's the better way for a psychic to work. Yeah. Um, nothing coloring her perceptions. And she draws this picture of this woman. And I'm like, I know that woman. Uh, it was the mother of this man who's in a hospital dying. Turns out that she had hired a, a, a magic user to try to break up her son and her daughter, uh, daughter-in-law. She didn't want her daughter-in-law. And what had happened when she tried to attract, attack the daughter-in-law, the magic actually rebounded and attacked her own son, who ended up in the hospital and almost dying. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and the evidence being, of course, that we actually found the magical items buried on the land and... It, it's an um, obvious curse. They do that a lot here. People are always finding stuff buried around their property. Yesterday, I went um, <clears throat> out to a place called Guapolis, um because the uncle of this family has gone to Nicaragua, Panama, to study black magic. And he told this woman and her two children, adult children, that he was going to curse them. He was going to make sure that the woman of the house died crippled and in pain, that he was going to force her daughter into prostitution, force her son into drugs. So I went there with the intention of breaking the curse. The poor woman is bed-bound, paralyzed, in tremendous pain. So I went there yesterday, and we did a um, deliverance. And that went on for, oh, I guess about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, I tried to send a message out asking people to pray. And couldn't hear my audio. It was terrible. The energy in that place was just awful. But... We did it during the, the deliverance. She was in a lot of pain. Her head was splitting. Her skin was in a lot of pain. You could touch her skin and she feels nothing. But her skin itself, in her, you know, she feels pain. And afterward, she was in tears. She felt calm. She wasn't in pain. And she was able to eat and rest. And I thought, thought, all right, we're on the right track here. We've got several other things we've got to do to continue to break this hold. Because this man's going to keep trying. Um, But honestly, um, I've had an experience here, which I think your viewers or listeners would really like. Because it involves my my grandparents, Ed and Lorraine. I know, me (laughs) Um, when we first, when I first came here, um, my, my team down here, uh, especially Israel Barantes, uh, arranged a, uh, trip to this famous haunted sanitarium. Originally it had been a tuberculosis, 
uh, sanitarium up in the mountains. Really beautiful, nice views and everything. Really run-down property because it's no longer in use. And after it had been a tuberculosis um, sanatorium, after tuberculosis wasn't exactly a a real problem, uh, it became a mental asylum. And after that, they tried to make it into some, like I said, juvenile delinquency hall, but because there were no fences, kids just would run away. <laughs> but as I, as I entered, I was overwhelmed by the, the, the feelings of the people who worked there, the desperation, the, the overwork, the depression, anxiety. And then I went into the children's area. And we actually, uh, one, one of the people, I don't like spirit boxes. I don't like spirit communication because I believe that you can't control what you're speaking to. Uh, you're just opening a door and anything can come through. That's true. But he, he had used it and um, a man came through, uh, said his name was Paul, and that they said, do you want help to, to pass over? Do you want to help to, to leave here? He said, no, I'm protecting and I knew he was there to protect the children who were stuck there still. And there are plenty of photos online of Sanatorio Duran, D-U-R-A-N, like Duran Duran. Okay. If people want to see, they can see plenty of photos of ghostly images from Sanatorio, Sanatorio Duran. But I got away from everyone. And I went into a back room, and this little child came up to me, a ghost, and he was really afraid. And so I was speaking to him in Spanish, trying to convince him it was okay to pass over, don't worry about it, your family's waiting for you, just go to the light, see the light, go to it, but he was too afraid. Earlier that um, that morning, I had been praying to my grandparents and asking them to be with me, help me, if my if I needed them. And the next thing I know, my grandfather is standing to the right of me with his arms folded, kind of like not smiling, just with a look on his face like, Chris, what are you doing? (laughs) But my grandmother uh, walked right up, got down on one knee right next to this little child. Uh And she was able to convince the child without words to follow her and go to the light. Wow. It was really beautiful. Um, and the funny thing is, when I went um, home uh-huh. that night, uh, I, I had been, a woman had asked me to speak to her mother. Her mother was dying, and I do a lot of grief counseling for people, but this was the first time anybody had ever asked me to help their loved one to accept their death. Um, my Spanish wasn't that good for something this complicated at the time, so it took me a little Spanish. time. What's that? I learned a little words here and Spanish. <laughs> oh yeah, I you know I love the language. I think it's incredibly yeah. romantic and expressive. Uh, I I've fallen in love with it, which I, I'm sure would make my Spanish teachers probably pull their head hair out because I was the worst student in school. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, but I, I did manage to get a translator for the next day to talk to this woman who was dying. And I sent a message to her daughter. And I didn't get an answer back. That night, at 11 o'clock at night, my TV turned on by itself while I was sleeping in bed. Oh, wow. Now, that's not terribly unusual for me. So I, I just was like, oh, forget it. Just go away. And the thing is, the TV didn't just turn on. It turned on to YouTube, and huh. it played a Spanish love song. Huh. So I get up, I turn off the TV, and I go back to bed. About two and a half hours later, I think, you know, I want to know what that song was. So I check my uh, history on YouTube. That song's not there at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> Next morning, I turn on the TV, a different Spanish love song is playing on YouTube. And I'm like, how did it get back on YouTube? I turned it off. And I, I puzzled about who was it, what's trying to come through to me. Nobody had actually, you know, tried to communicate, so I wasn't able to get that. And um, I sent another message to the family, to the daughter. Saying, you know, I'm, I'm ready to talk to your mom if you'd like. She said, I'm, she sent back a message. I'm really sorry, but my mom died yesterday afternoon. And that's when I understood that her mom had come to me, turned on my TV, and played a Spanish love song. Because if she'd done it at her daughter's house, it would have terrified her. But... <laughs> with me, it was a safe way for her to send a message to her daughter that she was okay and that she loved her. Right. So I, I was really touched by that. But the most extraordinary and unusual case is going on right now, right here in the town I'm living in, which amazes me. Um, <laughs> There, there is stuff going on I have not seen before. I'm not terribly comfortable with. Uh-huh. And I'm, I think you're going to just be scratching your head. I, I know I, I still am. Uh, I've, been, I, I've been there a few nights. I've spent an overnight once now. Um, I went with another one of my colleagues, um, uh, Julio uh, Seguro Lopez. And he, he's terrific. He's just amazing. And this is a mom who's in her, I think, 50s. Uh -huh. Her 25-year-old daughter and her 12-year-old granddaughter from a different child. And it's a former coffee plantation. Speaking of which, if you want great coffee from anywhere in the world, Costa Rica is a place to get. Shameless plug, Costa Rican coffee, definitely the best. Um, but it's really neat because these three women, these three young, these three ladies are all wide open psychics. Um, the mom is a completely open medium and has no control over her abilities. She's constantly having to deal with spirits. And unfortunately, there's a lot of family conflict. The sister lives in another house behind them, and the brother in another house behind that. 
and they're both magic users, and they keep putting spells on this, trying to force them out of the property because they want it. They even took the 25-year-old woman's doll that had been given to her by her father who had died, kept it for a couple of months, and then gave it back to them. And when I was walking around the house and checking everything out psychically, I got to that one doll and I'm like, uh, there's something wrong with this thing. And she said, yeah, I keep dreaming that this thing is attacking me. I said, uh-huh. And has anybody had this doll? Has it, you know, gone missing? She said, well, yeah, it was with my, my aunt for three months, the one that had been doing these other things, burying things on the property or leaving things all around. So it turns out that there's some magic uh, being used against this family. But, and this is really interesting, because they're also wide open uh, mediums, there are spirits that keep passing through, and they're creatures. So it's just one who's um, a bride, and she's regular. She's there often. And there was one night... She's sitting in their car, looking at them and waving. I don't recall any ghost doing something like that before. It just, that was interesting. And another night, there were these creatures in the tree right out in front of their house. Now, these creatures stand about two and a half, three feet tall. They're called Mamunya, and they are supposedly... Uh, witches or magic users who can turn into these monkey-like creatures. Now, they're definitely not monkeys. There are no monkeys that high up in the mountains. Are they like sea creatures? Exactly. They're more like um, <laughs> like skinwalkers or yeah. wendigo or um, you know, things of that nature. Um, but they're small, and they are, and I've met a lot of people who have been bothered by them. Oh, wow. Again, remember I always tell people that the paranormal presents itself according to the, the beliefs of the local culture or the, the spiritual beliefs of that, that culture. So here we've got these things appearing in this way. And they're shaking the tree and they're screeching and they're, they're catcalling. Three days later, the tree falls over. Oh, wow. Now, two other people have seen this next creature. Uh, you remember the predator? The Wendy's predator from the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Alien versus Predator movies. Oh, right. And you know how the predator can turn kind of invisible, but he kind of likes like you, when you look through him, it's kind of wavy looking. You like transparent or something? Yeah. Yeah. Well. This creature here on the property is transparent, mm -hmm. and it picked up two of their geese and tried to take them, and then it dropped one of them and took the other. Three days later, they also had a bunch of ducks, wow. and 60, 60 of their ducks, when they woke up, were laid out one after another in rows, all dead, with no blood, 
no obvious wounds. 60 of them. Oh, wow. I mean, now there was also a time when an old black man that was seen walking on the property with a little white child, a little white girl and a little black girl. And they called out to this man and said, hey, uh, excuse me, sir, this is private property. And he got to the edge of the property and they all disappeared. Huh. Um, I, went, I, I went around the house and I was, I was trying to feel what I could feel. And I never, ever want to know anything before, uh, before I take a walk and examine it myself. Because if you tell me, then I can't trust what I'm feeling. And I'd rather tell you what I'm feeling and then find out whether or not I'm going the right way or wrong way. No psychic is ever right all the time. That's just, <laughs> you know, you've got to be skeptical about what you're feeling. Look for evidence. But I got up into the master bedroom where everybody sleeps. And I got to one bed and I felt like I was being choked. And I mentioned it. And the 25-year-old said, yes, this is my bed, and I feel like I get choked in this bed. Mm. Okay. Well, then we were asked to talk to the former stepfather, the, the ex-husband. He had been having drinking problems. He had been suicidal. He had been very violent, and he wanted to be free from all of his problems. He also had seen this predator-like figure um with another man and so we went to his house and they asked me to walk around and check it out and i got into one room and again i felt like i was choking and i mentioned it and he said yeah i tried to hang myself there i also tried to hang myself at the uh old house up in the bedroom i was like oh that's why i was feeling it Okay, and that's why the girl was feeling choked, because she is such a strong psychic. She was picking up on her, her stepfather. I know how that is. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. I know you do. So, um, we've done a complete cleansing of the household. We've gotten them support for their psychic abilities. Um, we're working on uh, helping the man. We're going back and doing a deliverance on him. But he has managed to stay clean. He's not drinking anymore. Uh, he's cooperating. He's helping. Uh, I do believe that this can have a good outcome. It's just that with the family, other family members still putting more curses because we found more stuff. After we finished the first cleansing, I was walking around another night, and I was like, uh-oh, there's something right here. They tore everything apart, and we found it, and we got rid of it. Um, but they're, they're persistent. They really want to get rid of this family. They want the money for the property. Yeah. So that's in one way that things are presenting themselves much differently here. I think I see a question in chat, if you don't mind me asking real quick. No, please, please. Someone wants to know, do you know of any gymnastics? Uh, I'm sorry, do I know of anything that what? Any gymnastics? I guess that's what they want to know. <laughs> I, uh, you're cutting out. Any... Any gymnastics? What kind of magic? 
if they have any hidden assets. There, I guess it's just, I'm not quite sure what they're asking. Um, sorry, I, I, I can't answer because I don't understand the question. Yeah, I was like, I didn't understand it either. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> well, maybe they'll clarify. That would be great. Yeah. But, um, let's see, what else can I uh, tell you about? It, you know, we, we've just had so many things here. Oh, um, I mean. <laughs> it, it has been fascinating. It's been a challenge for me because... When I enter a new culture like this, and things are so different, it, it, it takes some adjustment, and I, I'm definitely a student. I'm always a student, no matter where I am. Uh, you know, there are four different major schools of magic here, and I don't know any of them. You know, I, I rely on others. That's why the foundation, the Warren Legacy Foundation for Paranormal Research is so important, because right. no one person can be an expert on everything. As a matter of fact, nobody's an expert on the paranormal. Um, you know, the more I know, the more I realize how little I know. <laughs> I agree on that note. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to die with a lot of questions. <laughs> Luckily, then I'll get to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's the interview one you might like. Do uh, you have an opinion on the conjuring? Oh, Conjuring, Conjuring 3? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Very intense. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, we can talk about that a little bit. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, oh, I... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see it Sunday, although, honestly, I'm not all that interested. Um, I've seen the previews. I've seen a couple of photos here and there. I know enough that I was really excited that um, there's one scene in there where um, Patrick Wilson gives Vera Farmiga a, um, uh, what are they called? A gazebo. Oh, and my grandfather had done that for my grandmother, and it looks exactly like that gazebo. So I was so excited to see that. But, you know, the, in this movie, they, they claim my grandfather had a heart attack during this case. It actually, he had a heart attack during the Maurice Theriot exorcism which i was i was there for that um my grandfather you can hear my grandmother on the tape saying ed why don't you have a banana to get back the potassium you've lost we had already been to a poltergeist case earlier in the day and taking care of that with uh, bishop mckenna and now we were doing an exorcism well my grandparents were not they they never got never did exorcisms they were always in the back but um, during that is when he had his, uh, his heart attack. And, and also, another thing I heard about uh, in the movie, I guess Satanists try to attack them. Uh, there were no Satanists in that case. It was a Ouija board that had been used by the mother and the daughter, and, or mother and sister of David Glotzel. And he was in the house when they did it, and he was the weakest. And so he became the target. These things are predators. They're not going to go for the strong. They're going to go for the weak. And even if you're the one using the Ouija board, you're not the one that may pay the penalty for that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but there's a, I, I, I'm told there's a scene where there, the, there's a Satanist who 
tries to attack my grandparents. And that actually did happen to me and my cousin. Uh, we were working on a different case, and they chased us after we left the house. They had been waiting for us. And there, there's a big satanic statue in the museum. That's from that case, from my case. Um, it was a husband and wife. The wife was pregnant in Newtown, Connecticut. And we had gone there, my cousin and I, and one night, we're spending the night, they're in their bed asleep. My cousin and I are across the hall. Uh, trying, I'm trying to sleep. And I, I'm startled by screaming from the woman. John wakes up. He's screaming. Shit, they're screaming. They're screaming. I'm like, yes, I know. Get out of my way. And I push him out of the way, run across the hall, and the husband is levitating over his pregnant wife under complete possession. And back then I was in much better shape. And I ran and jumped, tackled him in midair, fell across the other side of the bed, and I'm on top of him screaming, by the power of Jesus Christ, I command you to be gone, struggling to hold him down. Uh, my cousin comes up behind me, he's throwing holy water on him, and he did come out of it. Um, and then about, I don't know, I don't remember how long, maybe it was a few weeks, maybe it was more, maybe it was a month later. Uh, a hunter was right behind the house in the woods, and they found that giant satanic statue and an altar. And it, and there was a funeral home next to this family house that I had been helping. And the... Um, Satanists were using necromantic energy. They were actually using that. And when we came in there, we stirred them up and got them upset. And so they wanted to come after us. Oh, man. What else would you like to talk about? Oh, that's incredible. Wow. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I got chills now that I saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I do know that um, I remember I was 14 years old when this case was going on, and I, I've met them. I, you know, I've met them all. But I remember when Arnie was arrested for murder, and my grandfather decided that they were going to use possession as a legal defense because it had been used about hundreds of years ago, successfully in England. And I said, Gramps, yes, I called him Gramps. I said, Gramps, this isn't going to work. It's not a legal defense in this country. And he insisted. He said, you know, we swear on the Bible, so now we need to prove otherwise. And I said, well, it, you're not going to get your witnesses. You're not going to get any of this. And it turned out, the judge would not allow the witnesses. It was not a legal defense. And poor Arnie went to jail for manslaughter for five years. He did uh, go on to get his uh, education in prison. And he even married uh, his girlfriend, De Debbie Glotzel. Um, unfortunately, sadly, about a month and a half or two months ago, she passed away. Oh, well. Yeah, that's good. She was a lovely woman. She really was. Well, 
you have another question for you from chat. Uh, what do you know? What do you know about the uh, admin? I cannot say this word. I'm sorry. Admittyville case. Oh, I know a lot about that one. Uh, we could easily spend the rest of the hour talking about it. Um, you know, I I do have a uh, just a shameless plug time. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do have a YouTube uh, channel called The Warren Files, and you have to put in the, the Warren Files. And I did do an entire video on Amityville. It's about 15 minutes long. I uh, get into what happened with my grandparents. Plenty of uh, photos and evidence for you. But I'll say this. My grandparents always said it was the very worst case they ever worked on. And my grandmother's quote was actually, it's as close to hell as I ever hoped to get. Right. I believe that it was real. I have no doubt in my mind it was real. Uh, all of the naysayers, um, I don't care. I also know uh, from another source that the reporter went in on that to investigate that house many years ago with my grandparents, still keeps in touch with the owners who keep coming and going in the house. And although it's not reported publicly, uh, they are, many of them are having problems. One of the last owners just sold for a loss because her 45-year-old husband suddenly died for no reason they could figure out. Uh -huh. So, yeah, there's still stuff going on there. I think they're still trying to sell it, right? I don't know. I, you know, I, I've never it's been there. I, it, it, if it's not a case, I'm not interested. I'm not a paranormal tourist normally. Um, yeah, unless a friend wants me to go someplace with them, then I'll do it. I don't think I would buy it. Even if I did have the money, no, I don't think I would. I wouldn't want it. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, I, I don't care one way or the other. Um, I don't do this. For thrills, I do this because I believe it's God's work, and I want to I want to help as many people in this world as I can. That's great. Yeah, I'm glad you do. I really admire. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you heard me say that. Before. I really, I really admire what you guys do. Oh, thank you. No, I I didn't know exactly what you said. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know. It's the foundation. It's not me alone. There are a lot of great people, and they're what make it strong. It's not me. I'm just a small part. Any part. <laughs> I think we have time for another question. Do you have any questions that, or, uh, or one of my questions? Um, Anything you like. I mean, I, I could tell you about uh, one other uh, visit I did here in Costa Rica, if you like. Oh, sure. All right. Um, well, there's this wonderful uh, team in Mexico who came down here to visit me. As a matter of fact, next month, next week, uh, on Friday, I'll be going to Mexico to, to be with them to do some presentations and to spend four weeks uh, learning about Mexico. But... Oh, wow. Um... They had come down here. They invited me out one night uh, to check out a haunted house. Now, 
I personally do not like going into abandoned buildings, and it is one of the rules. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just not safe. And if you're not there to help someone, you shouldn't be there at all. That's our rule. But, again, they had flown all the way down from Mexico, so I went. Uh, not having any idea where I'm going, why I'm going, just we're going to someplace haunted. That's all I know. Yeah. And we get there, and it's this broken down old building. Concrete, but broken. So, on the outside, there's some stairs, and I'm walking down the stairs, and again, I'm hit with this choking sensation. And I'm like, huh, I'm, I'm choking, I don't understand this. Yeah. I get underneath the house to where there was this gorgeous view of the entire capital city of San Jose at night, all lit up like a field of diamonds and there was a man standing there a, a spirit and as i walked up to him he would move away from me and i talked to him and i said you know are you okay he said i'm very happy i like being alone i want to stay here i don't want anybody leave me alone but again I'm feeling this choking sensation in one particular place. And I turned to my team and I said, is this guy an American? And they said, yeah. I said, did he hang himself? They said, yeah. Was he in the army? Yeah. Okay. So while they, and there's a video on Facebook of all of this, um, while they're continuing their conversation with the spirit using a spirit box one of the other team members and i uh, another woman her name was carolina uh went halfway up the stairs again and the spirit was following her standing with her and she has tears in her eyes because she, she's a, a a lower level psychic but she's able to feel them and she could feel his pain and he did he, he was very lonely very hurting and very depressed. He wasn't happy. He didn't want to stay there. He was afraid. He had been so sad. He had had two dogs and he was afraid what would happen to them when he killed himself. So he killed them first. He was very, very low. And while we're standing on the stairs, I started having another conversation with him and I'm trying to convince him that it's okay he has nothing but fear he's not going to go to hell for killing himself it's it's time to let go and be be free be at peace and he did agree and now Carolina didn't know what I was doing she she was with me she's you know feeling all these feelings she's very overwhelmed and I can see that and I can feel that and as he's leaving, she starts crying, tears of happiness, and she knows he's leaving. So that one was definitely worth our time. I was really happy with that particular one. And it's actually the first time publicly I've ever used my abilities on a case. It's not something I like to do. I, I don't advertise my abilities that way because... People do respect what I say, and if I were to say the wrong thing psychically, I could send them down the wrong path. 
and I don't want to do that to anyone. So I'm very careful, and I don't give personal readings or anything of that sort. I only use my abilities in my work. I hear you. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, maybe it's time for any more questions or... Uh, sure, please. We, we, got, we got 15 minutes. Um, let's see. Here's one for you. Uh, what would be signs of a typical haunting? You know, here's the thing about that. that that's, a, that's a great question, actually. Um, there's no such thing as a typical haunting. Um, not really. Not around the world, because it does present itself differently. But I, I guess if we were to get to what most people experience, I, I guess, in the United States or in Europe, um, that would be the things like a knock on the door or an eerie feeling that you're being watched or your keys go missing and you search for an hour and then they're right where you search 10 different times. That's a spirit just letting you know, hey, I'm here. Uh, same thing if you're hearing walking or rapping or anything of that sort. They're just getting, to, you know, they're there. They're trying to get your attention. Like, you know? turn on your TV. I've had that experience, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's energy manipulation. Energy manipulation <laughs> is the simplest thing a spirit can do, uh, other than psychic ah. projection. Psychic projection is much easier, but that's because all they're doing is projecting an image or a sound or what have you into one person's mind. But energy manipulation, because they're pure energy, is very simple as well. But um, I would say always, always assume what you're hearing is natural until the evidence or what you're experiencing is natural until the evidence is overwhelming that what you're dealing with is actually paranormal. Because if it isn't paranormal, then you can actually help make something manifest through your fear and your attention and, and your obsession with what you believe is there. You can actually make it happen. You can open that door. So it's something always assumed. It's just natural. It's a squirrel on the roof or what have you. Um, I have never said that. The other thing is, once you know that you're dealing with a ghost, don't be afraid. It's only a person. You know, a ghost is just a person. And <laughs> you're not afraid of the people on the street. Why would you be afraid of a ghost? It's just another one, another person. Now, I think of people, living people, as car drivers. And pedestrians are ghosts. Ghosts are pedestrians. Um, so when you're driving in your, in your body, you're moving fast. You're paying more attention to the other car drivers and barely any attention at all to the pedestrians on the side of the street. That is how we live. And then when we die, we get out of our no longer useful bodies and get off on the corner and start walking. Eventually, we get another car. That's true. It's like in a reincarnation. Exactly. My grandfather taught me reincarnation uh, regression hypnosis when I was 16 uh, years old. We all of my family believes in reincarnation. Right. I have 
another question for you. We have time. I think we have time. Yeah, um, you, you got about 10 more minutes on Okay, <laughs> going by fast. Um, do you believe that, the, if I can say it right, the Vatican has to give permission for you to conduct exorcism? The Vatican has a vast library that people do not have access to. There's a lot of lost knowledge in there. Um, it's extraordinary. Uh, and I, 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 I wish I understood all the different languages that they have. I wish I was able to, to learn what's there. But um, they've, yeah, they're, they're a vast repository of arcane knowledge. As a matter of fact, the Catholic Church has expanded their exorcism program, and they are now teaching even non-Catholics exorcism because the need is so great. Having said that, I do want to point out it is still very, very rare, and not everything is a demon. As a matter of fact, it's very rare to deal with something that powerful. It's almost always psychological or a ghost or psychic abilities or even elementals. Yeah, that's true. I totally believe that. Right, um, do you have time for one more? What are the signs of a, of a demonic haunting that you look for to consider it demonic in a okay. case? <laughs> Um, remember that ghosts have very little power. Uh, oh. It's a very rare case where a ghost is that angry and that focused that they can open and close cabinet drawers and throw dishes around and move tables. And all of that one ghost actually did do. Again, in Newtown, Connecticut, right down the street from my grandparents. Um, I remember that case well. but. Normally, if it's over the top, like your refrigerator flying across the room, deep gouging claw marks on a person, or where wounds come in sets of three, things of that nature, if the person is Christian or if they're in a Christian country, that's a fairly good indication we're dealing with something demonic. When they start knowing things that they shouldn't know, uh, having access to knowledge they couldn't have, uh, knowing languages they never studied, uh, knowing about the future or about the past about someone else that they were just meeting. That kind of stuff is an indication that that person is either demonically possessed or at least under deep oppression. Um, but the intensity of the phenomena is what you look for to tell whether or not it's demonic. And you look for, is it dangerous? But you got to be careful, too, because often these things present themselves in the most innocent way possible. Child or um, a lost child, especially. You know, a poor thing that has died and is begging for you to accept them. I see this a lot. And it's a cliche. It's a great tactic that they use. Because once you make an emotional attachment with that spirit, then mm -hmm. they've got a spiritual attachment, and that's when things turn evil. 
Isn't that kind of like what happened in the Annabelle case? Very similar, very similar, um, as well as my very first case. Um, but oh. in the in the Annabelle case, yeah, what did they what they had done was they had this Raggedy Ann doll and they loved it. They they took it with them, you know, to bed. They they took it to the kitchen table with them, sat it with them, and you know, talked to it, and they acted cute. And then one day the doll puts its arms up on the table. And they, you know, it's 1967, 68, and they thought, oh, this must be a ghost in the doll. Let's call our friend the medium. Well, their friend the medium got it completely wrong, which is a lesson that I've always remembered is not even the best medium is right all the time. And she was told that it was the spirit of a little girl named Annabelle who had died in front of the house, and now she was just looking for a family to love her. And these two nurses, you know, they immediately, full of compassion, they they love her, they, they buy her a bracelet that it still wears today, uh, they take it to the kitchen table with them, they, again, everywhere, everywhere they go. But now that they've created that bond, now there's a spiritual attachment. Now they're feeling uncomfortable in the house, and it's creepy. And they feel watched, and they're getting little pieces of parchment paper with notes on it in crayons. They don't own crayons. They don't own parchment paper. And yet it says things like, uh, want to play? Miss me? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's that little bit is true in uh, Annabelle 2. It's the only thing in Annabelle 2 that's real. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, then one afternoon, the, uh, you know, Annabelle's not where they leave it when they come home. It's sometimes it's standing at the front door waiting for them. And one afternoon, one Sunday afternoon, uh, one of the boyfriends was sleeping on the couch and he wakes up and he says that he had just had a dream that Annabelle was on top of him and choking him to death. And he walks over, picks up Annabelle, throws it across the room, and says, You're just a stupid doll. You couldn't hurt anyone. But as soon as he said that, three claw marks rake across his chest and blood soaked through his shirt. And he immediately called uh, the Archdiocese of Hartford. That priest called my grandparents. My grandmother took one look at that doll and said, That's not a ghost. My grandfather said, Ghosts, especially children would never be trapped inside of a doll. And so they told the nurses, and the nurses said, oh, yeah, you can have a doll. That's fine. <laughs> and that's how Annabelle ended up with my grandmother and grandfather. Well, well, thank you for being on here. I think we should wrap it up now. Uh, yeah, thank you, Chris and everybody. Well, thank you. I Honestly, it's been an honor. I really appreciated it. No, thank you. It's an honor to have I you. I hope I didn't talk too much. Oh, no, I love hearing you talk. I'm starting to love hearing you talk. <laughs> no, yeah, well, thank you, guys. I wish you the best of luck with your next show. Let me, uh, who, who's going to be on your next program? Do you know? Yeah, speaking of which, I'll have Marjorie Phelps. See, mm -hmm. author, author, yeah, Marjorie Phelps. And she's a fellow author and speaks about reincarnation, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't miss that show, yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I remember a few of my likes as well. Uh, I, I'm going to look forward to it. Thank you. 
Thank you guys so much. It's a great show tonight. And uh, yeah, it was a great night. 